Amen. You guys can be seated. Somebody want to grab the lights over there? Thank you, Terry. And every prayer we've prayed in desperation, the songs of faith that we sang through the doubt and fear. As we sang those words just a minute ago, they, they spoke to me, uh, and I thought, I'm going to look for that sheet of music when I go up to start the service here. And I walked up, and there's a sheet of them sitting right here. I think about those words, and, and I look across this body, and I see um, we're all in different phases of a journey. The word discrepancy comes to mind. And Trey and I have spoken a little bit about it recently, but discrepancy is if, the, if we say 100 and we only see 85, there's a discrepancy of 15. And as we sang these words here, every prayer we've prayed in desperation, the songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear, so we sing songs of faith. We're on a walk of faith, a journey of faith. Everybody in this room, maybe one or two aren't in this, but I would say by and large, everybody in this room, we're all learning to walk with Jesus. We're all in varying stages. I can look at Jerry Greaser and I can think, that guy, he must have it down because he's been doing it for a long time. Or I can look at, at Jill Greaser or I can look at Martin or some of these people that are further along life's path than I am. And I think they must have it figured out. And they're still learning. And Pilgrim's, uh, anybody ever read Pilgrim's Progress? So it's a, it's, a, it's a, I don't even know what type of book you would call it, but it's a, it's a metaphorical picture of a believer's walk of faith. As I look across this room, I think about discussions I've had with almost each and every one of you about things that we've preached, things that we share, things that we believe, things that, that maybe when you came here you didn't believe, or maybe when you came here you believe more than you do now, and discrepancies between what we say we believe, what we see in Scripture, and what we're actually seeing walking out in this life. And what I, what I think is so precious and unique in this body of believers, and I'm, this is, I'm building up to an introduction here, but what I think is so precious in this body of believers, and I want to protect it, I want to encourage us in this, so often in believers' lives, if you think of uh, the walk of faith as like the turnpike, you know, where there's mile markers on the turnpike. The Ohio Turnpike's one of the greatest toll roads in all the free world. You can find everything you need. You know exactly where you are. It's like the Fulton County of toll roads. You know, everything's marked out evenly. You know if you're at mile marker 51, you're 51 miles across the state of Ohio. It's real simple. This is a plug for the turnpike. But if you think of our lives, of walks of faith in that way, if we're at mile marker 51, so many times in Christianity, our thought for everyone that's at mile marker 30 is that they're doing it wrong, and everyone that's at mile marker 70, that they're crazy. Everyone should be at 51, because that's where I'm at. And I see this body of believers, I see us growing in this, and I want to speak this word of encouragement, that what we can do is we can all encourage each other, and what we are doing as a body is this is a process. It is a walk of faith. 
And there are people that are at mile marker 32 that 20 years ago were at mile marker 31, and were it not for the encouragement of someone at mile marker 35, they'd still be at 31, or possibly doing that awful thing of doing a U-turn on the turnpike. <laughs> Can't do that. But as a believer, as a, as a family of faith, we're all learning, and I just want to encourage us in this. And this leads up, I get the opportunity to introduce this morning a very dear friend of mine. Uh, many of you are very good friends with this man, and he's also further down the path of life than I am. And he has been one of those people in my lives. I, I shared that introduction as an encouragement and an exhortation. There are things that you may come here today and you might hear and you think, I'm not really sure about that. That's okay. We're learning too. We're all learning too. And through the word, which will be our ultimate, that is our ultimate test of anything. It's not what we see. Our ultimate test of what we believe is not looking around and we say, well, it must be day because the sun is out. Our ultimate test is what does the word of God say? And even if we never see what the word of God says manifest in the natural, that will be what we hold to at Revelation Rock. And this man that I'm introducing this morning is going to bring the word this morning, has been one of those people that's, I feel like, always at at least one or two mile markers ahead of me, always helping encourage me, and always asking questions about the path. I'd like to welcome my brother in Christ, Chris King. He's going to come and share the word this morning. If you would, give him your attention. I know he spent a lot of time hearing from the Lord on this, and uh, I just pray, and we prayed this morning over him, that this would bear witness in each of our lives. So if you would, welcome Chris. Well, <laughs> I love our Pastor Isaac. <laughs> uh, we were, the fact that I can joke with him is much appreciated. And in the meeting before, he said, do you want me to say anything afterwards? I said, sure, you can go ahead and re-preach it. <laughs> you ain't going to stop, Isaac. He got it in front. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just want to look at your word, see what you have for us this morning, apply it to our lives, and I just thank you for what Holy Spirit laid on my heart, and Lord, you laid it on my heart so I know it's applicable for this morning for this group of people. No one's here by accident. I'm going to give you praise and honor. Guide my words in Jesus' name. I would title this sermon... Do not despise the process. We want to look at a word you don't hear a whole lot these days. It's kind of an older word. Sanctification. And that is set apart in holiness. So there's kind of three areas to sanctification. And the first one is positional. You've heard Isaac and Jerry talk about this. And in Hebrews 10, 10, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in Hebrews 10, 14, it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So, you have Colossians uh, 1, 22 and 23. 
in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And 2.10. But ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. So our justification or positional sanctification is taken care of when we receive Christ. That's a done deal. So that our spirit man is perfect. Okay, now I'm going to skip over one step and talk about glorification, sanctification, or perfect, perfect sanctification. That would be at the other end. That's when these bodies are laid down, we're with Christ, we're perfect. Now, come back to the middle. Progressive sanctification. That's the lifelong process that we're all in. And Isaac already talked about this at varying stages. We're all at a different place in life. Therefore, that calls for grace with each other that we not demand we're all at Myron Walker 51. But you're where God has you. That means you can bless you. You know, that's, that's what makes the body work. So, we are spending this journey becoming more Christ-like, increasing day by day, Lord willing. Colossians 3, 1 to 10. Now, I'm, I got a lot of scripture going on because I wanted this to be the word of God, not Chris King. So, I'll do a little fill-in, but mainly it's the word of God. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concubines, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things the sake of, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these things: anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the Holy Spirit works. Well, let me make one more statement here before I go on there. So this walk that we're walking out, this sanctification process, remember the first stage, we're made perfect in Christ. So I am here in this earth slowly becoming what I already am. The Holy Spirit works in us as we allow to separate us from sin and ever increasingly Christ-like. I've got a uh, DVD set of Ray Vanderlaan. Anybody here of Ray Vanderlaan? He did a 
series of teachings on site in Israel. Very interesting. But one thing he talked about was like when the disciples were under the rabbi Christ. When disciples were under a rabbi, it was their desire to become that rabbi, not just like him. They wanted to become him. That was the cultural understanding. And so that always stuck with me. <clears throat> and so that's our goal, to be Jesus in the world, to the world, to each other. We're to be Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I got some flack one time because I was teaching Sunday school and I said those words. And they said, you think, you think you're good enough? We should follow you as follow Christ? Well, it definitely gives me a goal to step up to, amen? And so, yes, we're, we're Christ to the world and we're to be Christ to each other. This is a high calling. And so, if we resist the work that the Holy Spirit does, progression past that point is extremely slow or non-existence. Thank you, Isaac. So when Holy Spirit moves in our lives to make a change at whatever point, whether it's some sin or more than likely some sin, if we resist the work, we'll not, we'll not go past that point. And for biblical reference to that, I just say read the book of Jonah. Because when he got done with his rebellion, when he said, I'll do your work, Lord, where did he go? Nineveh. So until we yield to the Spirit at what point he's working on, we're not going to move much past that because we've set a block in our lives that in essence is rebellion. So Romans 8, 2, and 6 says, um, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That is one exciting verse. That, that can stand some serious meditation. That was, a, that was a, a go-to verse for John G. Lake. That was his healing verse. Because if you go and look at that verse, I went to Deuteronomy 28 to find out everything that was under the law, under the sin and death. And we're set free from all that when we have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now I did, I have a note here I want to look up, but uh, we like to talk a lot more these days about grace than law, but in fact, Christ fulfilled the law and more than that because as we look at scripture, Every law, he amped it up. 
You know, if you were caught in the act of adultery under the law, well, with Jesus, if you even thought adultery. So every, every one of these laws, we have greater expectations on us than they had on them. And the law is a rule of conduct or action prescribed or formally recognized as binding or enforced by a controlling authority. So that, just, that verse has just really meant a lot to me. And verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And carnal, we know, is the five senses. Hearing, seeing, touching, smelling, feeling, and um, those are not to rule our lives when we're walking this walk with Christ. Because they'll get us in trouble every time. You know, when we're walking by faith, going back to Abraham, which I love to use for an example too and always enjoy when Isaac does it, but, you know, we see the progression of his walk also, but he had to keep on confessing he had a son. So faith speaks the end result. And any area we allow, we allow the Holy Spirit to work and live in victory is an area of ministry for the future. You know, if, if we've overcome something in our lives, then we can minister to somebody that's going through that now and encourage them, bring them along in Christ. And the sanctification process progresses faster if we conscientiously or consciously desire it. If it's something we're after, if we're pushing forward, really wanting it, then we'll move into it a lot quicker. And I heard a guy put forth an idea that I've thought about this and I thought, oh man, I'd have liked to have been part of something like that. But that was now, I did not serve in the military, and I want to appreciate anybody's service that has. But how about if we had Christian boot camp for new believers? And you go and are totally immersed in teaching, discipline, declaration, everything scriptural. How cool would that be? How, how much further would we be? Because anybody knows when a guy comes out of boot camp, usually he's a lot skinnier, but he's also, he's a different guy. Amen, Terry? Yeah, he's a different guy. So I just thought, wow, that would, that would be pretty cool. And I think the church is in essence supposed to do that, but... Um, I'll just let that go there. Several things the Lord has taught me over the years is that I need his attitude towards sin. Psalms 97.10. You that love the Lord hate evil. 
He preserveth the souls of his saints and delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. And then Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So in this walk of sanctification, I had some sin in my life. And I needed it gone. But it was just dragging on, dragging on. I'm probably the only one in here like that, right? Either you guys say amen or you're a bunch of liars. (laughs) So this was one step that as I asked God to give me his attitude towards sin, there was a real change. And a lot of the things I used to laugh at were no longer funny. And so, that was a first step. Another step was in changing You know, if we try and change ourselves, you have a little success, then you fall back. Then you have a little success, and then you fall back. But to get that victory, you cannot just quit something. You have to replace it. Replace it with the Word of God. You know, all the time, you know, we got computers, we got phones. It's no secret, a big deal, especially with men, is pornography. Well, you can't just stop that. You have to replace it with the Word of God. And, of course, then there just needs to be accountability. But if we're serious about getting rid of some of the sin in our lives, and a third step is also a lot of times with sin that have drug on for years, There's also a spirit attached to that, whether it's anger, lust, whatever it might be. So we need to cast that off, off or out, whatever the terminology, doesn't matter. Get it gone in the name of Jesus. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then also Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness in Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So we see that we are to be a new man. The old man has to be put to death. You know, I, I try every morning to commit to the Lord that I crucify Chris King that day. Because if we don't, next thing you know, Chris King's trying to raise his head somewhere, you know. And it's kind of like a woodchuck. As long as he stays in that hole, he's fine. What happens, Ben, when he picks it out? 
22-250, baby. Yeah, but it says we're hid in Christ. If we stay hid in Him, the enemy can't get us. So that right there, this is serious armor. If we'll do it. So we are progressively transformed in the likeness of Christ, letting the life of the spirit of the inner man through the renewing of our minds transform our outward actions. And this renewing of the mind thing is, is worthy of a lot of study. And there's a Dr. Caroline Leaf. Anybody ever hear of her? She's a Christian, but I don't know, has more titles than you can talk about, but she understands how the brain works in words I can't even say, but has done a lot of study. And like I said, she is a Christian. And then uh, Curry Blake, John G. Lake Ministries also has a series on mind renewal. Because without renewing that mind, we fall right back into those same patterns and we don't make progress. So we're, we're just ending up back where we were and that's not what we want. A really neat picture of this Sanctification is a tree. It's got its leaves. This fall, weather changes, leaves fall off. However, an oak is especially prone to hanging on to some leaves. But yet, let the winter pass, spring comes, sap rise, and that new life pushes them leaves off. I think that's a, that's a pretty cool picture of what what needs to happen in us. But I want to say this, this is a, I think this would be like the center of this message. Our love for our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the motivation for sanctification. Our love for our Savior Jesus Christ is the motivation for sanctification. So we're trying to let the Spirit work through the renewing of the mind, having His way through that perfect Spirit, transforming our walk around lives, our bodies, our actions, our thoughts and intents. And um, praise God, boy. You know, now remember this is tongue-in-cheek. So, but Baxter Black was a cowboy poet. Anybody ever hear him? Okay. So, through this sanctification process, I'll use the words of Baxter Black and say, I have not always been the sterling example you see before you now. <laughs> so, it's not pure silver yet though, folks. <laughs> uh, so as we're saved, justified in Christ, 
through the sanctification process, we're becoming, like I said, what we already are in that spirit man, perfect through justification. God loves you so much, loved us so much that he chose us where we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us there. You know, it didn't just end at salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified that you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by his Spirit of God. Will anybody join me in saying, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Praise God! That, that's mm, good stuff. Yeah, just um, glory to God. Wow. Hebrews 10, 19 to 31. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth to me, unto me I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, you notice that's in Hebrews. That's not Old Testament. So, um, It has been a concern of mine for some time as I look around the modern church. I am concerned about a lack of the fear of the Lord. You know, we're really big on grace, and I love grace. I need grace. Praise God for grace. But as humans, we have a tendency to let the pendulum swing. And we need to be balanced. 
And so this was the word of God. This wasn't Chris King saying this. We got an awesome God who we need to be in reverent awe. And the English language uses the word fear because the English language has some shortcomings. And so we want to be holding God in his greatness, in his proper perspective. Um, the magnitude of Christ's sacrifice for us, you know, if, if we're taking that casually, I believe it'd be right to say, I would invite you to fall on your face and get saved. Because it's not a casual thing. It was such an awesome thing, you know, Christ paid that price, but I'm a father. Your son's sitting right beside you, Ben. How bad would you hurt if you gave him in Jesus' place? So the father also paid an awesome price for us to be in fellowship with him. And that needs to be recognized um, in his proper place. We must have an, an increasing knowledge of his word. I, you know, when I was preparing this, I thought, boy, Lord, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But he gave it to me, so I guess I'm supposed to preach to the choir. But, um, we need to have a hunger. Like in the words of Jeremiah, a fire shut up in my bones, you know, when he was going to shut up and not proclaim the prophecies the Lord gave him. He couldn't do it. He said, I got a fire shut up in my bone. I pray for us to have that kind of desire for the word of God so that we can learn the word of God, we can apply it, and as I was reading and I talked about the English language, um, I've got a uh, translation by Kenneth Weist, which is basically he didn't worry about the English construction when he translated it. He just took the Greek word and brought it over. And so some of the sentences aren't real pretty reading, but it, it increases the, um, the picture sometimes. And the language, the Word of God language, I'm going to say really without exception, I, you know, is action. Action, action, action. You know, just when, when we read the wording, look at it. There's something, for there, there's something there for us to do no matter what we're reading. And so... Another concern that I have, and I've, I've seen this all my life, which I'm no spring chicken anymore, but we've labeled the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ as free just because it can't be bought with money. And it is a free. We can't, we can't do anything to earn it. 
But like I talked about, the price Jesus paid, the price the Father paid, and we're supposed to lay down our lives. It's not supposed to be a casual thing. And it seems to me, I don't, you know, don't come after me because I'm saying it seems to me that, cheap, that this has cheapened the work of salvation and the cost of it. Matthew 13, 44 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so I'm just thinking, you know, we know that most of the time when people get something free, that's just about what it's worth to them. You know, what would it be like if somebody's getting saved and we say, you know, this is, the Bible teaches us to count the cost. This is going to cost you everything. You know, in America, we're, we're pretty much used to a life of ease. But what about China or some of these other countries? They want to get saved. You say, well, it's going to cost you everything. You ready to lay down your life, literally? Not figuratively. So they count the cost, and they say, yes, it's worth it. Okay, I'll move on. As we are in the last days, anything less than 100% Holy Ghost on fire, sold out, ever-increasing life in Christ will not get us through because we are at war. like to hear an amen there. We are at war. So you can stay totally unengaged because you don't want to be at war. That does not mean we're not at war. Or you can just yeah so we're at war, we always have been, but in my lifetime, I would say it's mostly been ignored. Hence, the place we're in right now. You know, had the church been awake, actively, aggressively fighting this war, I don't think we'd be where we are today because this country was founded on a covenant with God. And so this, this right here is called war, folks. We are to be biblically trained warriors. Matthew 11, verse 12. Did I not give that to your... It's okay. Okay. I will look it up. Matthew 11, verse 12. See who gets there first. Okay. From now, 
from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So the violent there, that's who we're supposed to be. And that word means vital activity, crowd into, mighty. You know, we like to talk about the things Christ has done for us, that they're there, they're ours in Christ. But it's like when the, God said to the children of Israel, there's the land that I have given you. Go take it. And that taking of it required fighting. And it required energy. It wasn't, it wasn't just, how should I say, free, for lack of a better word. So in an army... There's different ranks, special forces, all kinds of support forces. But we must all be actively engaged. And I want to go to Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now the word finally may be rendered from now on or henceforth. The spiritual battle Christians are engaged in exists from now on. There's no let up. A lot of us don't like that. Until the Lord's return. There is no quarter given, no ceasefire, no temporary truce, no secession of hostilities. Okay, from now on, Till the end, there is all-out war. And the remainder of the verse may be paraphrased, let yourselves constantly be strengthened by the Lord, more precisely by his mighty power. Now the words put on in the Greek is ingressive, imperative, denotes a sense of urgency, demanding immediate action. To stand as military overtones. This verb was used in classic Greek, meaning to resist the enemy and hold a critical position in battle. The wiles of the devil, or the devil's strategy, Satan carefully devises schemes and tactics against believers. And those schemes and tactics are always coming at us at our weakest point. Wrestle, used of hand-to-hand -hand combat, emphasizes the personal and individual nature of the spiritual warfare waged against each local church and Christian. 
So that's the kind of warriors we need to be. We need to go at this thing. You know, it is spiritual warfare. However, we need to know that principalities use personalities. Just as Christ does his work through his body, the church. So I thank God that revival is here, and boy, is it ever. I mean, how many know who Mario Morelli is? Yeah. Well, he's having these tent meetings around the country. Three times now, he's had to increase and get like double the tent size each time. And he said he started out in the Jesus movement in Berkeley, and he said he has never in his life seen people coming to the Lord like they are now. So revival is here. There is a revival. If you're revived, you were one time alive. So that's not talking about the unsaved. That's talking about the church getting revived. And then there's an end time harvest going on that is truly great. And it'll be unlike anything we've ever seen. Praise God. So... As we stand here today, there's 100 days left till the election. We need to be praying. We need to be voting. We need to be standing on the Word of God, putting forth biblical views, calling sin, sin. But let's be accurate. You know, one thing that drives me just a little crazy since the Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade you got all these signs, people holding up, Roe v. Wade is dead. It's not what they did at all. They sent it back to the states. There's going to be 50 battles over Roe v. Wade. So they didn't, they didn't change it. It's up to the states now, which was where it should have been. So anyway, having said this, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, do not despise the process. Because I didn't include it, but you can go to Hebrews 12, talking about how a father chastens those that are his, and that we shouldn't despise that because that is an indication of his love. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what I had prepared. So, does anybody want to hear any of my personal testimony? All right, get started then. My name is Chris King. I was raised right out, first farm east of the Essen House on Route 2 there on the south side where Dean Smucker lives now.
Went to Pettisville School. Went to West Clinton Mennonite Church. But when I was about junior in high school, first of all, I accepted the Lord when I was 10, fifth grade. Meant it. It wasn't a, you know. But through my teen years, I was pretty frustrated. And at looking back, my frustration stemmed from the fact that I wanted more of God and didn't know where to get it. And, of course, the charismatic movement was in swing in those years. And I ran into a couple people that knew a little about that and began seeking God for baptism of the Holy Spirit. And talked to a to minister, and he said, well, he said, just rededicate your heart to the Lord and see where it goes. So I said, okay. And my job on the farm was to feed the baby calves. So I'm out there feeding the baby calves and singing praise to the Lord. And one day I stopped and said, that's not English. So, uh, then I had it, but um, didn't really know what I had. But even then, it is a regret of mine that all through the years, I wasn't in that boot camp. Because I was like, I'm learning things now. I thought, man, where was that 40 years ago? You know, what, what could have... What could I have been for our king had I known that 40 years ago? But, praise God, learning it now. So, anyway, being filled with the Holy Ghost in a conservative Mennonite household wasn't a big thing for harmony. And so I went to Phoenix and did a year's church service, which in the Mennonite church, that was in lieu of military service. And um, it was in Phoenix that I met my wife of 45 years, Muriel. What a blessing from the Lord. And she also was a spirit-filled gal from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So, my carnal desire had always been to cowboy, be a cowboy, from little up. And funny thing was, we had no TV. I didn't see any Roy Rogers. I didn't see any, you know, I didn't see any of those old John Wayne movies. I didn't see those till I was grown. But that's, I always wanted to be a cowboy, and that never changed. So we got married in May of 77 and moved to a large ranch in northern Nevada where I worked 90 days on the hay crew, then got on the cowboy crew. And uh, then we worked ranches. I'll shorten this up. We worked ranches all over the country for about 15 years from 
We were in Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, five and a half years in Idaho, Florida, three or four different places in Florida. And in Florida was where I was introduced to whips. Cowboys down in Florida use whips. So I've been a whip maker for about 42 years now. And the Lord's blessed. That's, a, that's been a, a good thing for us. Good way to meet people, earn a little extra income, and, and just, it's been good. So in 91, we came back here because my folks had seven kids, but none of us had stayed. And so my dad had to have heart surgery. He needed help. So I said, well, if you want me to come back, I will, but you've got to ask me. And he asked. So that was a big thing. He knew he was leaving. So he had his surgery and didn't, didn't come off the table. So I was here for mom. in honor of the commandment that says honor your father and mother. That turned into a 30-year commitment. She passed away. December 22nd, 2020? Yeah. So now we're in a stage where I'm just about, I'll be 66 in October. So we're seeking the Lord what's next. We actually did buy a place in Chillicothe. Our daughter lives on the south side of Columbus. Our son lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So, exciting to see what God has. I hope this word's been a blessing to you all. And uh, all glory to God. Isaac, you got to want to add anything?